Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. Everybody say, I I have have hope. There's something powerful about hope. Your Bible, read, turn to John chapter 1, verse 46, or look on the screen here. We're going to read in the NIV, Nazareth. Nazareth. Can any good come from there? Nathaniel asked. Philip said, come and see. Nazareth. Can any good thing, anything good come from there? Come and see, said Philip. Everybody say, Pastor. Pastor. Preach the word to me today. today. Let it touch my heart. heart. Pastor. Pastor. Preach the word today. today. Let it change my heart. heart. Pastor. Pastor. Preach the word today. today. Let it touch my mind. mind. Pastor. Pastor. Preach the word today. Let it change my mind. Pastor, preach the word today. Let me leave here a better person than what I was when I first walked in today. Everybody say amen. Are you going to help me? Let's preach the gospel today. God bless you real, real good. And as you're being seated, how about giving Josh and Shar a great hand? They're going to be parents probably this week. Josh is going to be a new daddy. <laughs> The wedding march had just begun, and I stepped to the center of the stage. In the ministry, there is no moment as deeply moving as when a wedding march begins. The groom took his place, followed by the best man at the front of the sanctuary. And down the aisle came the ushers and the bridesmaids. And then into the church came the bride, beautiful, radiant, on the arm of her father. As she moved slowly down the aisle, every eye in the building was fixed on her. But it was in that moment that my thoughts were far away. Because I remember today, about a year or so earlier than that, when that young woman was crying in my study. She had blurted out that she could not find any meaning to life. That life wasn't worth going on with. She said through her tears, I haven't met a man who has husband qualities. Every man is on the make. I spoke words of encouragement to her, and after prayer together, she went her way. That day, the day in my office, she saw no possibility of the unforeseen happiness and love that could come to her life. Her mind was obsessed with loneliness and sorrow, and now... A little over a year later, she was walking down an aisle to look with love into the face of a young man at the altar. We are often blind to the possibilities of what I call unforeseen goodness. We are often blind to the possibilities of what I call unforeseen goodness. It's hard for us, any of us, to believe in unforeseen victories 
unforeseen happiness or joy. We have no difficulty believing the worst, and you know that's true. We're made as negative creatures many times. When there is talk of bad times, we solemnly believe that the end of the world is not far away. Or when a youth rebellion is discussed, we're blind to the possibilities of the countless young men and women who are seeking better life and a better world for themselves. We have no difficulty feeling cynical in the presence of a man who has been successful and we sneer and we say, but look how he got that way. How many people did he cheat? Or when someone is in a position of leadership that falls, we quickly shake our heads and say, I guess we don't know the half of it. It is human nature that we constantly think of the unforeseen evil and forget the unforeseen good about life. It was so in the time of Jesus. When Jesus left the village of Nazareth to begin his public ministry, great crowds followed him and Multitudes were on every hand, and the old and the young, the rich and the poor, the wise and the ignorant were all there. Men of all classes, all walks of life went after the man from Nazareth. And when his voice was lifted in teachings that were unmatched by any voice in history, they listened with eager anticipation. They said simply, no man has ever spoke like this man. And when his hands reached out to touch those that were sick, there was healing power. All whom he contacted loved the man. Then came the inevitable question, who is this man? Who is he? Who are his people? Where did he come from? What is his background? We all want to know. And we are told Nazareth, and they were told Nazareth, and there was a quick sneer, and they said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Because Nazareth wasn't much. It was a town on a highway between the Mediterranean Sea and the Sea of Galilee. And it was a barren place. It was gray. It had lifeless hillsides except for one or two months of the year. But from the beauty of Haifa and the Mediterranean Sea traveling 40 miles away to the luxuriant beauty of the Sea of Galilee, you had to pass through this little burb called Nazareth. You hurried through because it was an ugly city. Their accent was despised. It was rumored that revolutionaries and outlaws came out of Nazareth. It was scorned as a city which had no influence. And people avoided Nazareth. They didn't want to be contaminated by Nazareth. It was a city from which Jesus came. And no wonder crowds asked, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And yet many good things did come out of Nazareth. What you may not know is not only did Jesus come out of Nazareth, but there was a prophet named Elijah that came out of Nazareth. Wow. There was a prophet named Jonah that came out of Nazareth, and he challenged the entire world with his missionary zeal. And a young woman, Mary, bearing a child, walked 60 miles from her home in Nazareth to a village in Bethlehem and gave birth to a son in a barn. She returned to Nazareth to bring up the baby boy. He was to grow to manhood and to the power of all for all mankind. Many things came out of Nazareth which indicated that what one could see wasn't enough to explain what was there. By the power of God. Let me just stop and say. Quit looking at people as visual people. Start looking at people as spiritual beings. Because what you see many times is not what they are. And what they come from is not where they're headed. Hallelujah. There's an unforeseen possibility. That is working in everybody's life in this house. And that's why I have hope. Today in this house. I have hope. I have hope. 
We must emphasize in our day the unforeseen. Everybody say unforeseen. unforeseen. Providence of God. I'm speaking of a doctrine of unexpected goodness in the midst of horrible evil in the world. It's hard for a cynical society to believe that there is more in life than we can see. It's hard for an unbelieving world to think that there is any possibility of change beyond the measures and test tubes and the processes of arithmetic and physics. It's difficult for us to understand that there is something more in life than what we can measure with a stick. Many centuries ago, there were ten brothers. They were leaders among their people. and They were influential in their community. They had a younger brother by the name of Joseph, and one day... They were with their flocks on a farm far from home. And Joseph came over the hillside toward them. And when they saw him, they cried with scorn, Behold, the dreamer cometh. So they dismissed him. And when, they had, and when all their struggling had resulted in starvation, it was the dreamer. It was the young one that they dismissed. The unforeseen beyond anything that could imagine which saved their homes and their families. I will tell you that arguments still exist today in the world of, 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 of science, whether heredity or environment is the more influential in the development of life. Some psychologists have said, after all, it is blood that counts. Give me the right genes and I'll show you a genius. And I hear environmentalists say that their only real influence upon a growing child is environment, the place in which he grows up. Yet we are aware that there is more in human lives than either heredity or environment can ever explain. On the negative side, a child may be born to good parents, have a great education, a good environment, and yet make a failure of life. But on the other hand, out of the unfortunate, tragic situation, some children rise to godliness and to dedication and to worthy service to humanity. And I'm going to put it on the screen. Neither heredity or environment can explain the potential for good which lies within the hearts of men. We have forgotten that God has something to do with life. And he's waiting for a man's response to him to bring forth unforeseen glory and unforeseen joy. And that's why I preach every Sunday morning. I'm getting wound up now because I don't see you as the world sees you. I see you as that book sees you. I see you as God sees you. You are possible. You are possible. God has his hand on you and you're going to make it in life irregardless of where you came from. I have hope. I have it. Lord, I got crazy there, didn't I? Wow. I'm sick of hell telling you. You don't have the right raisin. You don't have the right education. You don't have the right bringing up. You don't have the right lineage. You don't have the right genealogy. I'm telling you, there's a God in heaven. That has unforeseen possibilities for you in your life. Woo! <laughs> Kick that nasty thought into the sewer of life. Like you kicked an old rusty can when you was a kid. Just kick it. I 
have hope. In a museum in Boulder, Colorado, there's a large glass case. And underneath the glass are pieces of rock, gray and brown lumps, rocks, just dirty rocks. And people say to themselves, why have they brought that stuff to exhibit in a museum? And then there's a sign that says, push this button. And when they do, an ultraviolet light comes on in that cage or in that, in that glass container. And those brown and gray stones are transformed into a myriad of what seems like shining diamonds. Hidden in the dark lumps was a glory which couldn't be measured except when blessed by the light. Mm. Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I have been privy to be involved in three passings of people that I loved this week. 85-year-old woman named Steele in Johnson City. Raised 11 kids, all of them saved. Nine boys, two girls. One daughter died early in life. But I saw those kids stand up and speak about her. And every one of them told what the word repentance meant to them. Stout, strong kids. I've never met a bad steel in my life. They're all great because of a mama. Not educated. And when she received the Lord in her life, her husband's daddy was a judge. And the judge said, we need to put her in an insane asylum. She's lost her mind finding this Jesus. But she stayed steady because it didn't matter what they saw. It didn't matter what they determined about her. She had got a hold of some unforeseen possibilities in her life. You see, there's some things that we have that the world don't understand. And I can't hardly explain it, but I'm feeling it right now. I don't know why I'm here, but I do know that I got a hold of an unforeseen possibility one day. And it gives me hope to believe that God who started something in me is able to complete that which he's begun in my life. I went to the funeral of a man that was 93 years old when he died. Raised very poor. Didn't have anything. Had nothing. You saw the young man here from Haiti on Wednesday night. There's people that I went to two of their funerals this week that were just like that in America. Just like that in America. Pastor James Kilgore lived in tents. His mom and dad would go and they would have tent revivals and they lived and they bummed houses and they, they asked for people to put them up and when people couldn't put them up, they'd put up little pup tents and they'd live. The man never slept on a bed till he was 12 years old. But when I went by his casket and 6,000 people paid tribute to him on Friday night, and a church that's massive and a Philippine ministry that's off the chart. See, it doesn't matter what people see. They may see gray lumps. They may see stained rocks. But somebody's got to turn the light on. And when you turn the light on, you see diamonds and you see glorious things. Because there's something working in all of us that the world don't understand. It's called the unforeseen possibilities of life. And God Almighty knows how to take care of those things in us. Bill Dean, I went to Athens, Texas to see his burial and they had a funeral and his boys, four preacher boys, one son that runs and owns a, a, a mortuary and owns a funeral home. And so he had boys to put him in the ground and a boy to bury him. 
God fixed it all up. Didn't have anything when he was a child. Pastored in Colleen, Texas and baptized hundreds of people in the military coming through Fort Hood there. Lived to be 93, 93 years old. And the last thing he wanted his boys to do over his bed was sing a song again so he could feel the worship in his body and the worship in his spirit, 93 years old. And Dan Dean is one of my dear friends, and his brother Jerry Dean is two of my dear friends. Dan is a member of the group Phillips, Craig, and Dean. And Dan is one of my dearest friends in life. And when I heard him talk about him, and he said, Daddy, you never knew when you was just a boy that God was going to take you and bring you to this point. No, no, no. But here's what I got to tell you. It don't happen overnight, but if you trust the unforeseen possibilities of God, if you understand that it's not the world that's going to make you. It's the God that's in you that's shaping you right now. And God Almighty's got his hand on you. And four boys, four boys talked about him powerfully and gloriously. And yet, and yet, the world said, how did it happen? It looked like just an old boy. He wasn't handsome. He wasn't a handsome man just like an old boy that just raised in Athens, Texas. No, he was different. Because he had gotten a hold of the unforeseen possibilities of life. And so that's why I'm preaching today. Everybody say, I have hope. I have hope. hope. It don't matter how bad the world gets, I have hope. It don't matter how bad everything goes down, I have hope. It doesn't matter what happens in life, I have hope. Because I've got a hold of something that the world has not got a hold of in their life. Clap your hands and rejoice in that right now. The glory... Of the unforeseen frequently enters and transforms many of the crises in life. When the ultimate has happened and the worst could possibly come as occurred, out of that darkness the providence of God is at work. And we find a secure hope. There is triumph even in the midst of what seems to be a disaster at the moment. For instance, crucifixion day. Let's talk about it. Jesus carried his own cross. He fell under the weight of it. It says in Scripture that they laid hold of one Simon of Cyrene and forced him to carry his cross because they saw him as nothing because he was carrying a common criminal's cross to them. But when Simon of Cyrene was forced to carry the cross, there was nothing more degrading. It was a hostile crowd, scorned, carrying a felon's cross, charged with the worst. Yet, 30 years later, Out of the degradation and humiliation of that moment of carrying Christ's cross, something happened in the life of Simon of Cyrene. Because when the author is listing great Christians, he says, Simon of Cyrene, the father of Rufus and Alexander, who were church leaders, who were great, great leaders of the faith in their own right. What unforeseen glory lies between the two verses within a brief space of the few verses, a few years of the New Testament. Here's what I'm telling you. Some things you're facing now, you don't see the end result of it, but you keep carrying the cross. You pick it up and you say, I'm doing this. I may be shamed and I may be scorned and I may be spited for it, but down the road, my children are going to rise up and call me blessed because I got a hold of an unforeseen possibility in life. The law of the unforeseen has been evident in many lives. Think of the boy wearing a coonskin cap and trousers made out of deer skin. Driving cows down a wooded path in the wilds of Kentucky. Not much culture. Not much of a home. Not much of a possibility of education. Yet when you look for the unforeseen, you see a president's name, Abraham Lincoln. 
or consider a drunkard in a town in Germany who courted and led to the altar a tubercular girl, a drunkard and a girl with tuberculosis. People in a village looking and shook their heads sadly and said, what a pity, they murmured. Nothing will come out of that family. But a baby was born to those parents and his name was Ludwig Beethoven. Blown away by the magnificent, I recognize that the unforeseen with God's power is beyond human measure. Oh, oh, here's what I'm telling you. Don't start believing the world's print. Lord, I could preach this morning. Or think of the man John Milton, 38 years old, at the zenith of his strength in life and influence, who within a period of three weeks became completely blind, and they moaned how sad. His future is now dead, but blind. Milton still wrote Paradise Lost and Paradise Regained, some of the greatest poetry in all the history of the English language. The unforeseen brings hope in a time of despair. It is so also with government. I'm going to preach now. Here, get ready. Set up in your seats. When Winston Churchill was chosen prime minister of England, a wail went up all over England. Have we come this low? Are we this low now? Where can we find hope in a man who has had failure after failure to mark his career? Who could anticipate with what, what divine courage and strength that Churchill would have working in the life of a dedicated man who could bring despair out, could bring out of despair at that moment? Beautiful, beautiful victory. I've seen frivolous young girls transformed into loving, dedicated mothers when you put a baby in their arms. I've seen young men caught up in the desire to have a good time, changed by the unforeseen to become good husbands and fathers. Daniel Webster is little more than an idiot, they said about Daniel. So said the masses. They ought to put him in an institution for the rest of his life. But they didn't understand the glory of the unforeseen. Webster rose up and became one of the greatest statesmen in the world. Here's what I'm trying to say. Quit listening to what the world has got to say negative about you and your God. Start believing. Oh, hallelujah. Start believing that there's a God in heaven. Ah. <laughs> I wish I was out there. I'd be saying my, my, my too. Oh, I'm trying my best to put something in you today. I'm trying my best to put something in you today. So it is with salvation religion, there was Jesus. Who would have thought that a boy born of a peasant mother with a father who worked in a carpenter shop growing up in the ignorance and bigotry of a village of Nazareth would become the world's central figure? Who would have thought that such a person would become king of kings and lord of lords for all mankind? It's the power of God that makes the difference. It's something divine within every man, every woman who knows him. 1,800 years after Jesus was on earth, one of the great hymns, voices of all time, wrote this. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Oh, I wish Nazareth could hear that now. I wish they could have a resurrection in Nazareth at about 5 A.D. 
and until 20 AD and let people see who this man that they thought would be nothing has become. He's not just a man that made it great. He's a man that's king of kings and lord of lords. And if a man can come out of Nazareth and everybody complaining about him, they crucify him, and he's king of kings, I have hope that that God can live in my heart and I can have hope. I can have an unforeseen possible hope in my life. Oh, somebody help me preach right now. So, (laughs) I'm walking. I'm going. Hell's trying to divert me. I'm almost finished. See, I don't preach long, but I preach good. (laughs) Hell's trying to divert me. Hell's trying to take me under. Hell's trying to pin me down. Hell says I'm nothing but a little old box of mud. Hell says I'm nothing but just dirt. Hell says I'm nothing but just a failure. Hell says I'm nothing but just nobody. That nobody cares. That nobody loves me. That nobody wants me. But I'm here to tell you there's something on the inside greater than what I'm facing on the outside. It's called the unforeseen possibles that God has put in my spirit. And I have hope. I've got hope today. I've got hope today. So we've got some sickness in the house. We've got people hurting with sickness and cancers and heart disease and problems. And hell is saying you're going to die. I'm going to take you out of here. You're not going to make it in life. We've got brain problems and we've got heart disease and we've got situations that are in our lives in this church today. And hell says, it'll never get any better. Somebody needs to turn the light on. Somebody needs to flip a switch in your life and say, you may say that, but I'm a hold of something called the unforeseen possibilities of life. And I will cling to the hope that is in my spirit. For I have hope. Alfred Lord Tennyson said, Oh, for a man to arise in me that the man I am might cease to be. Oh, I wish somebody would get a hold of a concept today, would get a hold of a thought process today, That it does not matter how the world sees you or how the world declares you or how the world talks about you. What really truly matters is what the Christ factor is saying in your life. And whoever you lean on is whom you're going to serve. See, I believe this a long time. Hell's against me. God's for me. I cast a deciding vote. And today... I cast my vote to grab a hold of the unforeseen possibilities of God in my life. For I have hope. Amen. Somebody come and help me this morning. Somebody come and help me this morning. I'm done preaching. Clap your hands all over the house. Clap your hands. Amen. 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 Pastor, it seems like you're getting shorter and shorter. 
No, not really. But I want you to have time to pray a little bit. See, the greatest, the greatest time of church is about to happen. Because we can sing to you and you're blessed and we can preach to you and you're lifted. But then you've got to respond. And that response is a beautiful thing that only you can do with God. But I, I, I know there's people in this house today. I know there's folks in this house today that have walked in this building without a whole lot of that word called hope. Because you think you're nothing just but a piece of junk. You're not educated. You don't have good work. You don't have a good job. Every job you get, you lose. Every time you get up, you fall down twice. It's two steps forward and three steps back. And you, you just say, God, what's going on in my world? But I've come to tell you today that I have hope for you, that I believe in you, that I trust that God is touching your life right now with a, a surge of hope and a surge of his promise and a surge of his power because that God can do what I can never do. He can bless you mightily. I wish that I could see some people walk out of here today with a light in their eyes. With eyes that are flashing saying, yes, I got it this Sunday. I got a hold of it, Pastor. I got a hold of it. I got a hold of this thing called hope. I was privileged this, this week, very privileged, to do something to a family in our church. I was privileged. There was an anonymous donation to our church. Anonymous donation to our church. And the people who anonymously donated whatever they donated asked me to let them remain anonymous. But could, could you find a family that could be helped with this gift of anonymity? And immediately, immediately, my mind went to a particular family. And I walked up to that family last Wednesday evening and I told them a story a story of a blessing that was coming their way I was as excited as the donor and they are tremendously excited but when I told them when I told them what it was and that the people didn't want anybody to know where it came from. It was an unforeseen <laughs> possibility. But when I told them, she tackled me. And he called unnecessary roughness on her. A hope. hope sprang up in their hearts and then he gave me a bear hug and we had a group hug for 30 seconds and when they walked out of my office when they walked out of my office I was beyond I was I was speaking words I didn't know. I thought I was getting the Holy Ghost all over again or something. 
I was just jabbering. I was, I was so excited. I was crying. I was bawling. Because somebody had got a hold of hope. Somebody realized that God knew where they were at that very moment. And he came to where they were. Hard-working people. People that love God. Not people looking for anything. Just hard workers. And I saw hope. I saw hope spring. And so today, my subject was I have hope. There's an unforeseen power. There is a donor. (laughs) There is somebody that wants you to have hope that is beyond anything that you've ever had in your life when you walk out of here today. You need to walk out of here glib and excited and thrilled and just absolutely jumping sideways. Just jumping sideways because the light's been turned on in your world. And you understand that you're not what hell says you are. And you're not what the world says you are. But you're who God says you are. And that's the most important thing in this whole world. You're who God says you are today. You're who God says you are today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.